the murder mystery podcast. The story unfolds each week. Will you guess the killer? On the murder mystery podcast, it's The Venetian Affair. Episode 26. After breakfast, Olivia and Jess sit in the two armchairs at the far end of the dining room. And Olivia types while Jess talks about the detail of everything that has happened between her, Scott and Frank Tanner. They go through the words on the screen and produce a version that Jess is happy with. Olivia promises to email it to the police immediately. Am I in trouble? She says when they've finished. As you've said in your statement, you are not aware that there is anything illegal about what you've been doing, says Olivia. And in fact, we're not providing any evidence of criminal activity. This whole thing could be a genuine business offer, and they intend to pay for the art pieces and give an investment return to the investors. But the police will be interested in talking to them because of Tanner's involvement. What about Nick? says Jess. He wasn't involved as far as I know. Maybe there's no connection, says Olivia. To be clear, we're providing information of suspicion, not of crime. It's the job of the police in this case to explore the suspicion. If they find evidence, they can proceed with the case. A flock of birds from the west cuts across the city as Malin pushes the bell to the street door. The speaker crackles and Isabel's voice comes out of the grill. Hi. It's Malin. The noise of the buzzer crashes the calm of Venetian morning, and he pushes the door to go in. When he arrives at her studio flat, the door is ajar. Hello? He calls round the wood. It's open. There is a suitcase on the bed, which is half filled with clothes. You going away? He says. Back to London a day or two. Takes me ages to sort all this crap. She points to the pile of clothes. How are you? He holds up a paper bag. I bought croissant. I'll make some coffee. She finds chairs for them, and they sit amongst the clothes and packing that dominate the room. I'm going back tomorrow, says Malin. What prompted your sudden departure? Deciding what I wanted she says. You met someone? I don't know yet. She talks softly, then changes the subject. What's she doing when you get back? I have two more exhibitions this year, thanks to Nancy getting me this gig in Venice. You're popular. Can I ask you something? He says. She takes a mouthful of coffee while she waits. Many years ago I had an affair we were both single, but it felt like an affair, a swirl of emotion, all blocked together in a few short months. Isabel smiles. She became pregnant, and I thought the baby was mine. But she had another boyfriend, and she decided to marry him. Was the baby yours? I thought so, he continues. And for years, I've enjoyed the idea that I had a child, even though I didn't know her. I can understand that says Isabel. She pours him more coffee and bites into her croissant. I now know that it wasn't mine, says Malin. How do you know? The mother told me. Does that make you sad? I like the feeling of being a father. 
but I didn't know her, he says. The mother didn't want me to know her. Why do mothers do that, says Isabel. Let their babies go. It's sometimes not the dreams they had. I'm not going to do that, she says. Give up my child. You're not pregnant, says Malin, looking at her stomach. No, there's not much risk of that. They both laugh. These chats we've had, says Malin. I've enjoyed them, and it got me thinking we're both without family. She murmurs agreement. When we're back in London, and you have a spare Sunday lunchtime, it would be good to keep in touch, you know? A fatherly sort of thing. He stops and doesn't look at her, but concentrates on his food. She sits for a second before speaking. I'd love you to be my fatherly sort of thing, Malin, she says, and reaches out to take his hand. The Vaporetto bumps the mooring at St. Marco. Olivia and Jess jump to dry land, then walk up to the police headquarters in Campo San Zaccaria Square. We would like to report, say, potential crime, please, she says to the receptionist. Ispatori Bonato is away, isn't he? Back early this morning, in fact. Do you want to talk to him? Please. Ten minutes later, the women are sitting in the same interview room that Olivia sat in a week ago, overlooking the square outside. Signorine, says Bonato as he walks in. You have a crime to report? That's right. Connected to the death of Signora Goodman? Possibly, says Olivia. The policeman sits and opens a pad in front of him, and clicks his pen. Tell me. This is Jessica Cornish, she says. Jess and Bernardo smile weakly at each other. You were at the palazzo when Goodman's body was found, signorina, he says. Jess nods nervously, and Bernardo makes a note. Miss Cornish has found herself drawn into a set of arrangements and activities which she believed were all part of a straightforward business deal, says Olivia. Information has recently come to light that has made Miss Cornish suspicious the deal is not all it should be, and may have some criminal aspects to it. What came to light, says Julius, behavioural changes in the other parties involved, including threatening behaviour. He writes more notes. Who are the other parties? A man called Frank Tanner, says Olivia, and Scott Goodman. Bernardo stops writing and looks at the women. The brother of Nicholas Goodman, he says, and they nod. Was Nicholas also involved? We don't know. Could this deal be a motive for his murder, says Bernardo. We're providing the information in good faith, Inspiratory, she says, besides a statement by Miss Cornish of her involvement. Can I see that? I only have a soft copy. Can we print it? She says. The group break up for ten minutes while Bonato goes off to get a printout of the statement. What do you think? says Jess as the door closes behind him, and they are left alone. Don't worry, says Olivia. It depends if they think there are possible links to Nick and your involvement is nothing to do with that. 
I meant to ask you, have you ever been to Vignole? For a party three years ago? Recently there? No. Why would I? Says Jess. No matter. The policeman returns, and the three of them go through Jess's statement in detail. The espatory questions every line, every implied action. An hour later, Olivia is keen to close the session to allow Bernardo to start the investigation. Can I have your views, Ispatori? There is enough to investigate, certainly, he says. I am not clear of the links between Nicholas Goodman and you, Miss Cornish. As you said, you were not dealing with Nicholas directly, but with Scott. Yes, she says quietly. Miss Cornish is available at any time to provide you with more information, says Olivia. That's appreciated, signorina. Five minutes later, Jessica and Olivia step out from the police headquarters and into the sun, then walk to the Vaporetto stop. As they arrive back at the Palazzo Mandola, Nancy is looking harassed and walks down the long corridor to the front door towards them. Have you two seen Emily? she says. Yet only yesterday, says Olivia. Not today. The women shake their heads. Why, Mum? Her bed hasn't been slept in and I can't get her on her phone, says Nancy. Do you know we found the necklace outside by the stop? says Jess. When? After that old bloke told us about the night-time boat loading. Where's the necklace? I gave it to your husband, says Olivia. Had it? Nancy calls down the corridor as she heads for his study. Yes, darling, he says, emerging from his study doorway. Olivia gave you M's sapphires yesterday. Oh, that, yes, yes, in here. He goes into his study and returns with the jewellery. Her bed hasn't been slept in, says Nancy. Maybe she's staying over somewhere. She is a grown-up. I can't get hold of her. Darling, I'm sure it's nothing, he says. I'm calling the police. Paddy sighs and puts his hands up in surrender. Nancy goes into the study and calls from his desk phone to report the details of the suspected missing person. Ten minutes later she replaces the receiver and hurries out. The Ispatoria arrives just before lunchtime to talk about the painting, not Emily and they all go into the lounge. Maria will need you, says Olivia, and the maid stops her exit from the room and stands where she is. Come and sit down, says Nancy. Maria cautiously steps towards the sofa, where Nancy has been pointing, and sits. A poliziotta who arrived with Bernardo plugs in her laptop to the big TV screen and presses the play button on a video. This is the film of the Sant'Angelo water bus stop, says Bernardo, as the pictures come up on the screen. Tell us what the old man said to you yesterday, Maria. Italian is fine. Tell the Ispatori. Maria goes through what the old man had said to her as they watch the film. Nancy understands it all, and Olivia and Jess most of it. Can I take photos of the CCTV, Ispatori? says Olivia to which he nods. 
So we have three people all in black, clearly with some experience of handling artworks. All men, says Paddy. I'd say one's a woman. The tape ends. Is there more video? We have traced the boat and its route. Bernardo signals to the policewoman, and she clicks onto the next video. What are we looking at now? This is from the camera at the mouth of the Canal Grande, says Bernardo. And this is the boat heading out across the lagoon. Where does it go? says Nancy. One minute, signora. The video cuts between various camera shots that have been spliced together and shows the boat ploughing through the water as it goes out beyond the bottom of the Castello district. It turns south and rounds the San Lazario degli Armeni landmass, then into the body of the Lido resort island and disappears from sight under the bridge that carries the Via Sandro Gallo across the water. The room is silent as the watchers take into account what they have just seen. So, the painting's on the leader, says Olivia. That's all we have so far, says Bernardo. And you have men out there, says Paddy. We will have it later today. That's too bloody late, man. Do I need to call someone to get you some resources on this? We are moving as quickly as possible. I thought you'd like to see these images now. And if it jogs any memories, then please call me, and we'll follow it up. What about Emily? says Nancy. We'll deal with the current cases first, Signora. I flagged your call to the local police on patrol. I will explore all of these cases, and if they're connected, the art theft, Nick Goodman, and Jessica's statement. Jessica's statement? Nancy parrots, and turns to her daughter. I've been doing some business with Scott Goodman, Mum. What sort of business? Buying art for his interiors, says the daughter. I asked you for contacts, do you remember? You said nothing about Scott Goodman. Nancy's voice ascends. Let me leave you to talk, Bernardo interrupts. We can show ourselves out. Maria takes the opportunity to escape and shows the police to the front door. We need to talk, young lady, says Nancy to Jess, who smiles awkwardly. We can't just sit on our asses here and wait, says Paddy. I'm bloody going out there. Joel, call your taxi company. We're going to find my baby. Who's coming? I'm with you, Dad, says Joel. I've got something on, sorry, says Jess, at which Paddy looks aghast. I'd like to come, Mr Cornish, says Olivia. Outside by the Vaporetto stop in five minutes, says Paddy, and they all walk off to get ready. The bell on the Torre del Orologio clock tower in St Mark's Square starts to strike the hour as Jess walks across the square to one of the dozens of tables laid out on the paving. In the few short minutes as the family had dispersed, Jess had avoided mentioning to her mother that Nick could have been part of the deal she's doing with Scott. Nancy is an influential woman, and one who is best to have on your side of any argument, and Jess didn't want to concern her even more. Scott is already waiting at one of the tables in the square when she arrives. Jess, I can't control this for much longer, 
he says immediately after they have said their greetings. There's nothing I can do, Scott. It takes as long as it takes. Frank is getting to the end of his tether. Tell him he'll have to wait, she says. You can tell him yourself. He's on his way here. Scott and Jess talk animatedly for five minutes. Then she sees the sight of an angry Frank striding across the palazzo. He arrives at the table, takes a seat next to Jess, and immediately brings his face up close to hers. I'm not used, he says in a whisper, to being fucked around by some silly little girl. Calm down, Frank, says Scott, which the man ignores. Unless those funds are in my account by the end of today, young lady, you're in big trouble. Frank, that'll go nowhere. It's Scott again. The man leans back, his eyes roaring anger. Jess can feel her nerves, but she doesn't feel fear. She stands up and looks down on the two men. Don't worry, it'll all be over by the end of today, she says, then disappears into the crowds of tourists in St Mark's Square.